I'm not sure how long have you been a DOT? Uh, I'm going to be just five and a half years right now. In August of uh, 2020 here, it'll be six years. Okay. Now, how long have you worked up here? Since 2005, I started, uh, went through the academy, the State Patrol Academy, after I had left Gilbert PD for seven and a half years. Okay. And started here in Hibbing in 2005. Okay. And and then 2014, it's considered a promotion in our agency, and that's when I went to commercial vehicles. Okay. So, but you started out as an area... Area boy. Yep. <laughs> Trooper right here in Hibbing. Window tint load exhaust, my signature. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's right. You lived a couple of blocks down that way. I did, yeah. That was me. Yeah. Hi, yep. you're the, you're the, <laughs> I can't say the words. <laughs> mine Family is, show and I'll remember. <laughs> yeah, and you've still got your gun on. I don't have mine. <laughs> so, yes, my signature. <laughs> yeah, window tint and load exhaust. You're going to hate my classic car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. it, it doesn't have tinted windows but the exhaust is right on the edge you know and it was never an issue until i come here and then all of a sudden it's like everybody in hibbing i would find me on a traffic stop and make sure that i actually heard their exhaust and then after a while it went from <laughs> them sharing it to me to causing me my frustration with load exhaust <laughs> <laughs> the frustration with loud exhaust. I don't have it. You can't. <laughs> right. So, I'm not a big loud exhaust fan. I like my wife is on the other hand. She likes the loud exhaust, but not me. Well, send her over. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'll get her to change her mind. There, there you go. So. <laughs> we'll fire up that big block Mopar once. And just there, yep. Cause she, uh, her brother had loud exhaust and yeah, she thought that was the coolest thing. And so, Yep. Okay. My, my my exhaust on that car is actually legal. It oh, goes to the go. back of the ta- of the back seat, which is all the farther it really has to extend, and it's pointed to the outside of the car. And it's got mufflers. There you go. And Does they, it blend the overall noise of the motor and tires in movement on the highway without creating a snapping or pop- popping sound? Got that covered. There you go. Then you're good. <laughs> well, every well, I guess I gotta just preface that with I'm good depending on how fast I'm going when I let off. Anything over about 85 miles an hour, I let off. It goes pop one time. On the track, 85. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. We'll go with that. <laughs> you gotta get by the slow person somehow yeah, i completely agree with you yep but usually the left lane is congested until at, at, thank goodness for august 1st this year because that's no longer going to be an issue right new legislation for that yeah, august 1st of uh 2019 prevented uh left lane drivers from just hanging out in the left lane yeah I like that. Yes. And the only problem with that is it's only enforced when there's a cop around. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I finally thought, I, as, a, as a driver, I finally saw signs for that in Oklahoma just last week. Yep. Yeah. First, first state I've seen it in. Yeah. Well, it, it's been a law in a lot of other states. It's just a recent one here. It, and it's one of those things that finally have the statute kind of caught up with um, where society is right now. Right. Right. Yep. And and a lot of frustration. I mean, that's ties in pretty well with the the hands free law for the cell phones. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Because there were so many people that were hanging out in the left lane. 
I had a former boss that was notorious where he'd get in that left lane and go 65 miles an hour right on the speed limit and be on his phone. Yep. And I'm sitting in the passenger seat going, dude, dude, uh, that's the travel lane. This is the passing lane. Yep. That was another (laughs) welcome relief for us as enforcers because it got to the point where you're like, oh, I was just looking at the time or so. Yep. No, it's nice. Just can't have it in your hand. Hey, gang, this is Randy with the Renegades on Dirt podcast, and we are back in the luxurious studios in Hibbing, Minnesota. And I've got with us today Jason Surface, who is going to be the head instructor for the Alexandria Tech Commercial Driver's License Enforcement, or Commercial Driver's License Class, Commercial Vehicle Class. He'll be teaching people how to drive semis and anything that requires a commercial vehicle license, like a Class A. That's all true. Yep, that's all true. I just finished. <laughs> I did four years teaching the same thing at Hibbing. I actually took their program from start to where it is now. Okay. And I'm in conjunction with Alex. I'm going to be the program director for Lake Superior College as well, doing a, a small contingent of their courses until uh, the end of the semester when I'll probably take over one or the other. Perfect. So you'll be multi-jurisdictional. Right now, yep. Awesome. I think it'll be really good because I, I know personally the guy that runs the southern part of the state in Austin, their school. And okay. I'd, if I take care of Alexandria and Lake Superior and, and Hibbing, well, then I've pretty much done all of Minnesota. True. <laughs> kind of an all-over kind of guy. That's, so they are staying in Hibbing. Pardon me? You are going to stay in Hibbing. The, the Hibbing course, they shut down. Yep. So I'm going to move to to Alex Tech. Okay. But there is there still going to be a CDL course here in Hibbing? No. Well, no? It, that's a more complicated question than... As simple as it sounds. Okay. The Hibbing College discontinued their program indefinitely. They're done. But the Advanced Minnesota course, Advanced Minnesota being continuing education, they run out of the college. They use the same okay. facility and, and same trucks. Uh, they're gonna, they took over the program, but I don't know. There's some unanswered questions on that program on, on whether they'll have it or be sustainable or, or whether it will be truly customized meaning one class a year for this special group of people. Okay. Because they probably won't offer it like every other month or every six weeks like we were offering it. So now it's going to be like the DOT comes and says we're going to educate 15 people and it's going to be in May. Well, then that would be the only class. Okay. Okay. And as a counterpoint to Jason, the other side of the coin, we've got the Minnesota State Trooper DOT Enforcement Division. Uh, Trooper Jeff Shea. How are we doing tonight, Jeff? I'm doing great. <laughs> you, you're looking at me like you don't use my first name, and I did it anyways. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, everybody knows you as Tint and Exhaust anyways. Yep. <laughs> my signature. <laughs> we'll just call you Shea from now on out. Yeah, and usually that's how people refer to me as Shea. So. <laughs> well, to your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The only guy that had a Facebook page and didn't know he had a Facebook page. Oh, a fans of? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the Officer Shea Encounter page. Yes. <laughs> this, this, and it was solely directed for me, so. <laughs> I, I could think of another trooper that probably would have got the same thing if he'd stayed up here much longer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to name him because I don't want the hassles. Right. <laughs> I'll tell you off air. <laughs> but today is going to be DOT enforcement and what you need to know to stay legal with your race rig 
in Minnesota at this time. We're going to be really heavy with this disclaimer because at this time, the rules are this, and they will help keep you out of trouble in any instance as long as you abide by them. Yeah, correct. Um, and we're going to throw today's date on there, right? Yeah. But I got to remember what today's date is because this will air a little bit after we're done with it. <laughs> so, December 30th. <laughs> well, today is December 30th. Yep. <laughs> this will probably air January 13th or 14th, okay. right in that neighborhood somewhere. I could be wrong. <laughs> we usually put a little bit of a delay in there just in case there's something wrong with the file and I got to do some tr- trickery. But. Okay. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Officer Shea brought me this pamphlet that said, do the commercial vehicle regulations apply to you? And it's motor sports cars. And there's a link on here that's msp.dps.com. Dot mn dot gov, and that's for the Minnesota State Patrol Conver- Commercial Vehicle Enforcement website. But the first four questions on here, I don't know, Shay, do you want to ask the questions? Yeah. So the first four, uh, first four questions that we would ask you roadside would be this, and if, if you're listening, um, the question would be: Do you c- declare prize money as income for a business for tax purposes? And again, yes or no answer. Um, okay, basically, do you when you race for money, like most of the dirt track cars do, yep. that automatically is an income. Okay. So, well, I'm, I'm just trying to help clarify so Absolutely. that... Absolutely. So that... Everybody realizes that the check that they get at the end of the night, whether it's less than what you actually paid to be there to race or not, is still an income. So is it being declared as for tax purposes? Well, that would be the next question. Yep. And <laughs> so, well, no, no, it's still there for, for a business for tax purposes. Right. You know, are you using that to offset the money that you spend to get to the track, pay your entry fees, all that kind of stuff. Are you claiming that back on your taxes? Exactly. Okay. And some people may twist it and say, well, no, because I lose money. So then again, is, are they going to claim it as a loss at the end of the year? So regardless, it, it, it just simplify the question. Are you, are you claiming it for a business and tax purposes? Okay. And if they, if they answer yes, then it's just, you're a commercial vehicle now. Correct. So 95% of the people that listen to this podcast or race dirt track or drag race or race a go-kart or a snowmobile yep. are subject. Yeah. And right now with the season, it'd be the same thing as uh, snow cross racers. Yep. Um, if you're doing things with like on the frontier, um, horse shows, fishing tournaments, other competitive events. Um, this would potentially could apply to um, your listeners if they do any of these things, not just racing. No. We, were talking, we were talking a little bit off the air before this, and I think where the point of contention is going to be with people are they think that it's a certain weight. Uh, we had used an example of a pickup in a snowmobile trailer and someone putting their lawnmower on it. Half-ton pickup. So well, that, that comes down a little bit farther once we get down to question five. Yeah, 
Yep. So let's go. Jump, jump in the gun. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jason. I didn't mean to cut you off. I thought there was only four questions. <laughs> well, there's four, there, questions, there to four de- questions to determine if the regulations apply to you. Yep. And then it gets into a little more uh, farther down. Yeah. At, at these at this point, these four questions would be determine, would determine whether we're going to talk to you as a commercial vehicle, depending on how you answer them. So um, second one. Are the costs of the underlying activities deducted as a business expense for tax purposes? And again, we just go back to the whole tax purposes. What are you doing with it at the end of the year? Are you saving your receipts? Um, your, whether you're, if you're getting a tax information for winning so much, um, it, it, again, what? How are you claiming it at the end of your taxes? If you if you are claiming it. Right. Um, what, are you, what are you doing with your W-9? What are you doing with your fuel to get their receipts, your fuel yes. to race receipts, all that kind of stuff? Yes, If exactly. you're claiming that against your taxes, then then you got to answer yes to, to question two. Yep. Um, and again, at, at this point, it's like I tell people, if it gets to the point where I'm stopping you, I, I'm just looking to educate you. Right. I am not here to... That's really what it is, is a roadside education. Now, if something bad happens and we look at this different scenario. What if I was in a hurry and didn't want the roadside education? Yeah, I'd, based on your your demeanor, we're going to be there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Set the brakes. A <laughs> big meanie. <laughs> You're standing between me and a cheeseburger. I, I want to look at your exhaust. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so then, number three, do you accept products and or money for advertising a sponsor? Now, this is another one, point of contention. Some people, um, again, I had a partner at one point. His, his uh, He goes, well, I, I don't get corporate sponsorship from, and he names some retail stores, but he goes, I, I get $100 from the bar. Well, there's nothing, if you looked at the question, there's nothing that says corporate sponsor it just says do you do you get prize or do you get uh, product and or money from a sponsorship so i will tell you if i give you a quart of oil and say hey put my name on the side of your car that's product technically 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 legally then it's a spot it's a paid sponsorship correct yep because you didn't have to spend that five bucks for that quart of oil yep and again, we've had this conversation with roadside with people before. Pull that mic in a little closer. Oh, we've had this conversation <laughs> with roadside with people before. Like, we'll say, you know, I get $200. Right. Really, $200 at this point probably won't make or break your racing career. So, again, my suggestion to those folks, give the $200 back and just have fun racing. Right. But as soon as you collect that product or, or cash... It pulls you into the commercial side of things. And so we're just not supposed to tell you that we get a Palmer's cheeseburger every time we run. That's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> what right. about you, Jason? <laughs> we're we going to go get that Palmer's cheeseburger and get ourselves in trouble. See, I think he's nervous because I think he's got window tint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he drives a bigger and he's got loud exhaust. <laughs> Nope, I'm getting educated just like everybody else. Here. I might have some questions, but I'm I'm glad that we're get something that's eye opening. Yeah, just because people don't know, and I I'm anxious to get down to that question number five because I think that you're gonna catch people by surprise on that one. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm anxious about that one too because I've got a lot of questions that re, re, relate to that, but we've got to make sure that people understand what the difference is between 
uh, a commercial and non-commercial enter- enterprise. Y- exactly. You know, so. Yep. So then uh, last question that I would, if, if, if I've got no way all the way up to this point, then my next question is the transport vehicle being used in the furtherance of a commercial operation. <laughs> so if you're driving to make money or you're headed to a, dra- a race, whether it be circle track, drag race, snow cross, horse race, where you're going to earn a prize money, then it becomes a commercial, and then you're actually using the vehicle for the furtherance of a commercial entity. Yeah, I would say that's a good interpretation. What would be the technical or actual? And that's, you know, and that's, it is, it's how you answer that. And again, I'll ask the question again. Is a transport vehicle being used in the furtherance of a commercial operation? And I would say if you are taking sponsorship and that vehicle is now you're claiming miles with it and you're using it not technically it would say it's just a daily driver. But now all of a sudden today I'm using it to take my race car sponsor um, machine to the racetrack. I am a commercial vehicle because it's being used as a as a commercial um, operation. Okay. So the, the three-quarter ton pickup that you drive around every day, you hook it to the race car trailer. Yes. And your car is sponsored by Ed and Sally's pie, pie or whatever, <laughs> bakery. Yep. And they gave you six, six pies and a, and a two-liter of Coke two weeks ago. You're still further into a commercial business because you've got product for putting their name on the car. Yes. Okay. I know that's going to be an interesting one with some of our drivers because they, they letter their cars and more as like a favor. They don't really receive anything for it, but they've got some friends that run a business, so they give them a little bit of advertising just so that they don't have a plain car. Yep. You know, so... the. I, I could see where uh, an enforcement officer would see the sticker and go, okay, you're advertising them. You're furthering a, a commercial enterprise. Yes. That's why I asked earlier off air, because I got stickers on my car that are about 20 years old. And they advertise a, a business and a racing cam. But... They're 20 years old. <laughs> yep. And, and yeah. I responded back in the same, we had a good conversation about this. Yep. As, as a 16-year-old uh, rising dirt bike star, not really. Um, <laughs> well, you were rising. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so Ricky Johnson was my idol at that time in the, in the Supercross circuit. So whatever he had on his bike, I wanted on my bike. That, didn't, that doesn't make me sponsored by them. I just happened to like... Bellray oil products um, and things of that nature that he had on his bike. That's what I kept on mine. Right. So. So then, then doing it that way, you can have stickers. You just, you're not sponsored. Exactly. Your stickers are just, just that they're stickers. They're not a a product sponsorship or anything of that nature. Okay. Kind of like putting the Smith and Wesson sticker in the back window of your pickup truck. Exactly. Perfect. 
So if you've answered yes to any of those four questions, you are a commercial vehicle and you are bound by commercial vehicle rules and regulations. Correct. Now we get to Jason's favorite question. Number five. (laughs) And here's the, again, like he explained to you, and this is what I'm going to, so number five. So now this is where we're, we've determined you're a commercial vehicle by answering yes to one of the above four questions. Now it's going to be, is the gross vehicle weight of the single unit or combination, which would be the truck and trailer, greater than 10,000 pounds? Or <laughs> the gross vehicle weight of, of the single vehicle or combination, truck and trailer. This brings me to a, a really good question because if I'm driving a one-ton pickup truck, you're over. You're at least ten, and it's got a motorcycle in the back. Yep. And I'm headed to Brookston. Okay. Do I got to stop at that Saginaw scale? So we're gonna. Here is now, where that's I'm, that's where we go back to those first four questions. Nope. We're what we're gonna do is we're gonna sort this out. So how we how are we gonna determine what your actual gross vehicle weight is? Because the first question that will people will tell me when we stop them as they're going by the scale is. I don't weigh 10,000 pounds. Well, again, it's not what you weigh unless it's more than what the manufacturer's rating is. So, for instance, you're going to open the driver's side of your door, and you're going to see a little little VIN, public VIN sticker in there. Yep. If you open your door and you see, when you open that up, you'll see a GVWR, which is the gross vehicle weight rating. Okay, what's the difference between a GVW and a G- GVWR? Gross vehicle weight and gross vehicle weight rating. Yep, gross vehicle weight. It, 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 what what you're what I'm looking for roadside is the GVWR gross vehicle weight rating, because okay. from the manufacturer on a one ton pickup, it's going to be at least ten thousand pounds or more. I will t- say, uh, usually it's about eleven thousand pounds, on average. Okay, so, so it it doesn't matter what that truck weighs. Period. No, it's what the manufacturer's rating is. Okay. Unless the, so for whatever reason, let's say you put a weight in the back of the box and now it goes, it, it's on a scale at 11,000, say, say the manufacturer's rating is 11,000 pounds. Okay. But for whatever reason, the weight of the truck, the driver, and the load is 11,900 pounds. That's the number we use. So it's going to be either the manufacturer's rating or actual weight or whatever's greater between the two. Okay. You following me? Yeah, I follow you. Okay. I, I, I'm following along. It's so, just... so now that's where people get a little like, oh, I, I don't weigh that much. No, it's not what you weigh. It's what the manufacturer's rating is. And anybody, I have a, the same thing on my squad car. You open the door, you'll see a little sticker in there. Yep. Just look at the top. It'll say GVWR. Okay. Because I, I know... <clears throat> That people were thinking that it was the gross vehicle weight, not the rating, the actual weight of the vehicle. Yep. <clears throat> Which way do you do the license plate when you do when you do that? Do, does a license plate rating go by the GVWR or the GVW? So it goes by what your uh, what I tell people because uh, I work with loggers a lot. Right. Is I always tell people. Whatever you think the heaviest you're going to haul, always increase it by a little more. Okay. So if you are, I would say pretty, it's pretty, pretty safe for the people that are a one-ton truck 
you know, just the average person running a one ton truck, um, they're, they're fine registering it for what it's for just that one ton purpose. Okay. Cause then I know a lot of them are going to put a, a trailer on. Yep. Most of the guys will pull like a 24 foot enclosed trailer. That's yep. probably got a 10,000 pound GVAWR. Yep. Just don't put on a lifetime license. Okay. Why? Because it's only rated for 3,000 pounds or less. Ah, lifetime is for boat trailers. Correct. <laughs> or snowmobile trailers. Or on motorcycle yep, trailers. But you're, you're looking for that gross, you're looking for, if you if you look at it, it says that, gro- that licensing, if you look in the statute, it says that it's good only for vehicles that are 3,000 pounds or less. Okay, so as long as you don't have a big boat, Literally a big boat. <laughs> no, your trailer's fine. Your boat trailer because it's not that it, it, they're not going to include that. Okay. So, because a big boat requires a big trailer, like a tandem trailer, yeah. like some of your Ranger boats, uh, some of your luxury boats. They're you, they're still going to have to register for that weight, and they're not going to uh, you. You wouldn't want to go in and ask for a lifetime license for that. Okay. Because it's expensive. Okay. Like if you. Say, say for instance, I have a skid loader trailer. I know what the operating weight of my skid loader is, and I know what my trailer weighs. So, again, it's so so cheap to register for the weight. It's it's really pointless to register for something. Like, I think I my skid loader trailer registered for 12,000 pounds. My overall package is probably 8,000 pounds. Okay. But if I'm registered for 5,000 pounds and I get weighed roadside, whether it's commercial or private, and I'm at 9,000 pounds, I'm 4,000 pounds over my registered weight, minimum of a $1,000 fine. See, that that was the next question I had because it's something I noticed that happened with my trailer. Okay. With my personal trailer. It's got an 11,465-pound GVWR. Okay. Stamped right in the tag from the factory. For some reason... It's got 10,000 pound tags on the trailer. So automatically, no matter what I do with it, I'm 1,500 pounds overweight. No, no. What, so what are you hauling? Well, that's the one that I haul, the, 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 the drag car that we talked about. Yeah, I, I guess without seeing the trailer, I probably shouldn't make an assumption, but I don't believe you'd be over your gross vehicle weight rating. It's just telling you... Just because you have a gross vehicle weight rating, like, for instance, I'll go back to my skid loader trailer. My skid loader trailer is 14,000 pounds on the gross vehicle weight rating. Okay. I know, again, with my my skid loader and the weight of the trailer, I'm not exceeding my my 12,000 pounds that I'm registered for. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Now, so if I were to get a big skid loader, I may want to reevaluate what I'm registering for every year because... It, it, it it's it's the you don't want to go over the weight of your your registration by any means. Okay. Yeah, and, and with the the weight of that the, the GBWR of that trailer, it's in between the the weight breaks on the plates. Yeah. Because it's like a ten thousand or twelve thousand or fourteen and. Yeah, and <laughs> I know there's breaks and different <laughs> things, but it's so, it, it, and you would you would agree it's so cheap to register for a couple thousand extra pounds. It's like. Three bucks or four bucks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and then that's that's why I was asking the question: is do I need to change my plates now because my GBWR is eleven thousand five hundred? Do I need that twelve thousand pound plate? 
So or, or am I legal with that ten thousand pound plate? And what are you hauling on it? Let's let's go back to that. Tools, car, four wheeler. Yep. You, have you ever waited? Not fully loaded. Okay. I haven't been near a. I honest to God, fully loaded. I haven't been near a scale with the combination that I use. Okay. Because I use a three quarter ton pickup truck. And that trailer, it's a 32-foot tag trailer with a 28-foot box. Okay. And I know the toolbox weighs about 600 pounds. Four-wheeler weighs probably 11. I know the car weighs 34.50 with me in it. Okay. And a full tank of gas. Yeah, again, I have a hard time believing you're going to be over. Again, without looking at the trailer, I have a hard time believing you'd be over that. Over the 10? Over your gross vehicle weight rating. Okay. Because and I just, over 10, too. I just don't want to be someplace and have a problem where I've got to, okay, now i got to pay a fine because I've got a 10,000-pound plate on something that <laughs> is, is wrong. Yeah, and that's... <laughs> I mean, because I can answer no to the first four. Now, yes. now we're, we're the only sticky spot I got. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I mean, if, it, if you're, for one, you could go out to the landfill here, Yep. Just say, hey, can I get a, a registration weight? Or just or not registration weight, can I just get a weight? The unfortunate part is they're not they probably wouldn't be happy with you unhooking your trailer, dropping it on an empty uh on their on their deck. But that'd be one option that you could do. You could you could uh take your truck trailer, go have it weighed, come back, drop the trailer, and then in your travels go weigh your truck and subtract that and you'd probably have a good idea what your what your weight is at. Okay. I should be good all the way around. I know the truck weighs 6,500 empty. Okay. Because I had, I filled it with stuff from here and took it out to the garbage dump. Yeah, yep. And I've been there myself. <laughs> and then I would, you, you weigh when you go in, you weigh when yep. you come out. And I was like 6540 or something like that one on the way out and I was 6900 going in so <laughs> so that and there's an accurate so again go in there with your trailer on fully loaded your four-wheeler your your uh fuel whatever on, on my way out of town to yep, the race exactly okay I just <clears throat> wanted to make sure because uh, you know maybe maybe somebody else has got the same situation that I do yep and so let's go back to that. So we started talking about the uh, one-ton pickup. Kid's got a, a, a motorcycle in the back. Yep. He's going out to Brookston. Can he go by the scale? Question I, answer. The, the, the question I've got now is yep. I'm that kid in the truck. Yep. I'm going to race for a trophy. Let's say you're just going out there to race. Or go for practice day. And you got your dad's one-ton truck. Well, I'll make it easier for you. You're not even going to be sponsored. You're just, this is going to be your first race. And you you got your dad's one-ton truck. You're on your way to the race. The scales flashing says, yep, it, yeah, all trucks or all trucks combinations over 10,000 GVWR must go through the scale. It's flashing. Well, if you're in that one-ton truck, you better go. Jason, I need you to move just a little closer to that mic. Or move the mic closer to you because you talk quieter than the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in a one ton truck, you better stop with the scale if you got that bike back there. Yeah, that's 
<laughs> Kaylee and I were having this conversation before here, and Kaylee's on a date with his daughter tonight, so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> otherwise he'd be here. I'm going to get him on the phone here in a little bit, though, because um, he he says he has to stop at the scale every time he's in his one-ton truck, whether he's got a trailer or not. He's absolutely correct. Yep. So Because of the GVWR. Yes. Yeah. Gross vehicle weight rating. And again, it doesn't matter if he has a motorcycle in there or not, because the sign doesn't recognize whether you're commercial or private. That's where we determine when you come in. Yeah. So yes, and he's correct. All all vehicles that have a gross vehicle weight of ten thousand pounds or more, over ten thousand pounds are, are required, and that's basically Minnesota, Wisconsin, where we see a scale and you're you're have a one ton pickup. So that's basically pretty easy to answer with a one-ton pickup. And before we started this podcast, we talked about a half-ton pickup. Yep. You want to use that example? Because that would, I think, be more indicative to what the races are running into. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I use that analogy. So my 16-year-old boy decides he's going to quit Snapchatting, and he's going to go into mowing lawns for the summer. Um, where's my applause at? Anyway. I don't know. All right. So anyway, hey, he, hang he, on here. I, I'll get your applause here just a second. There we go. So now he's gonna he's gonna work for this summer. So uh, <laughs> he he grabs my half ton pickup, which I already know. Same thing. It's got it's gonna have a gross vehicle weight rating from the factory at seventy four hundred pounds. Now he's gonna grab my two place snowmobile trailer, which is gonna have two thousand nine hundred ninety pounds. So you're going to add those two together because it's going to be a combination and it's going to be over 10,000 pounds and he's going to mow lawns for whatever, 25, 30 bucks per lawn. And he's only 16. He is going to be a commercial vehicle for the summer when he is mowing lawns. But he w- he's not going to be required to have a commercial license. Correct. He can do it on a valid class D license. Provided, provided he had... A medical right. card. Right. And, yep. and a few other things that you'd mentioned. Yep. He's going to have to have a, uh, yep, a, it's going to be a DOT physical medical card. He's also going to need to equip it with, uh, for, the, for, the, for the time, he's going to have to have a fire extinguisher. And he's also going to need to have triangles. And then he also is going to need to display a carrier name DOT number on, the, on both the passenger and driver's side door. So if I'm a racer, I'm going to need a DOT number. Correct. And well, that it. makes a whole new world uh, for everybody. But, <laughs> hold on, Debbie Donor. <laughs> well, I'm you and I'm on to me. So, a DOT number right now it does not cost you anything. And I'm going to direct you to the msp.dps.mn.gov or just go on, on Google search the commercial vehicle section of the Minnesota State Patrol. You're going to find a link on the lower right corner that it says apply for a DOT number. You're going to click on that website. It's going to bring you over to, it's going to give you a link to FMCSA. And then from there, you'll see on FMCSA where it says apply for a DOT number. Click that link, give you about a 40 minute, uh, 40 minutes to an hour. You're going to click on some questions that it's going to ask you. Um, uh, after about 40 minutes of answering the questions, it's actually going to give you a DOT number. You are assigned U.S. DOT number, and let me explain something here. 
as you're writing down this DOT number, whatever phone number you put into the database, you are going to start getting calls. And they're going to be relentless for probably two to three days, maybe even up to five days, telling you you need a drug and alcohol program. And they're going to sound very official. However, I will tell you that you can kindly just say, no, I'm not needed. Again, if, and we're going to go into, we're going to go into that as well. So if my boy is running everything under 26,000 pounds and he's just going to stay in the state here, he is not going to need a drug and alcohol program. However, if he decides that he's going to get uh, rather large with his uh, lawn mowing business and he's going to need a CDL, his vehicles are going to be over 26,000 pounds in that gross vehicle weight rating, he is going to need to do a drug and alcohol program. And that's what these companies are trying to solicit from you is telling you you need to do that because they're on a federal side of things. State, state side exempts you from some of that. So again, if you're going to stay in the state and race, um, that gross vehicle weight is important again too. But we'll okay. try to, I'm going to, I'm probably jumping ahead here a little bit, but <laughs> I, I want to spoon feed this to like myself and to your listeners here. Yeah. And well, and to me too, because right, right. <laughs> you know, I'm coming into this basically like, okay, I know nothing about this. I walked into the DMV and said, I would need this and this and this. What else do I need to be legal? And they said, call Shay. Yep. <laughs> I said, I don't want to call Shay. He's mystery exhausting window tent. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> but at, at, you know, at, at least you're human about it. Exactly. You know, there's there's a certain factor about this where if you get pulled over by a DOT officer. They're not necessarily there to screw up your day and cost you money. Correct. From everything I've heard, there isn't a quota on tickets. No. <laughs> I, I will explain to you this way. I want to see compliance, not enforcement, as, as far as this job goes. And I will do whatever needs to be done to get you to where you need to be. And, and then again, we've got to also stress that these are the rules at this time. Correct. Because yep. as we're talking about this right now at like 6 o'clock in the evening on December 30th, 2019, this is how the rules stand now. Yes. And they are change. subject to change yep. throughout the course of the year. Now, federal, motor, federal rules change pretty much once a year right around the first of the year. But we're not worried about those right now because all we're talking about is basically the guys from Minnesota – running to other tracks in Minnesota and racing. Yep. And they would be referred to by myself as intra, intrastate. Right. Not interstate, Correct. intrastate. In intra, I-N-T-R-A, means you stay within the boundaries of Minnesota. Okay. Now here's where I'm going to add a little bit of a hairy gray area. Yep. Superior. So if you go to Superior and you come back... You're good, but if you stay the night, things change. Really? Yes. Why? It's just the way the laws are are set up. So the laws are set up for you to fail. (laughs) (laughs) They're not set up to help you. They're set up for you to fail. Because now you go to the interstate part of things, which means you... Now, at that point, you're governed by the federal side of 
of the commercial vehicle regulations. Right. Where if you stay here, we've adopted certain federal regulations, but Minnesota also has their own regulations that the that you would would fall under. So technically, if we go from here in Hibbing, yep, to Ashland, Wisconsin, <laughs> then we're te- technically falling into the federal side of things, where we also get the Wisconsin state stuff. Yeah, and that's why you that's why you leave at ten o'clock at night. <laughs> <laughs> you wait till after that scale's closed and pray. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, no, I'm, I'm not encouraging that, but I just know that that's what usually happens when when Ashland races is. And it, again, it's like we know that Superior or Wisconsin troops know that too. So. Yeah, yeah, and they know when the races are. That uh, yep. Now. That that's another thing, and we'll get back to these other rules in a minute. Um, we used to hear a lot of stories about the DOT setting up outside of racetracks just to mess with racers. Racers had a target on their back because they're out there and they've got all this money, and the state wants it. Uh, I understand that you are trying to help us. <clears throat> And educate us so that we have the best knowledge available at the time. Correct. This this is a job for me. This is not a crusade. Is is are those horror stories actual? <laughs> have have you guys set up? I'm I'm not trying to single you out or say y'all are a bunch of jerks or any of that kind of stuff. But do you guys occasionally go set up outside of like a racetrack and stop people to check them? No, um, I, I would say speaking because I work this area as well as Duluth. Um, I don't think I can say in doing this for five and a half years that I've specifically targeted an outside racetrack for the simple reason is I can set up on, for instance, Arrowhead Road and get just as many people because I'm, I have one inspection. I don't line people up, so I might get one or I might get none. And for yeah. instance, uh, the snow cross season was just recently up here in Duluth. Yep, uh, yeah, right in the middle of the big ass snowstorm. Exactly. <laughs> so, and it's funny because just here in the Hibbing area, um, I found people coming in from basically all over the United States as well as Canada, and I wasn't even outside. They they end up going over to the climb compound as they so they can practice. Um, that leads up to the event of the Spirit Mountain. Yep. So again, I didn't have to go far. They phone me. <laughs> well, you're so, in that big maroon vehicle. <laughs> I mean, pretty easy to spot. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> so I think I'm special. Well, we'll just call you Ed from now on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, the unfortunate part is the same thing that you would find with the race car folks is that, you know, it's the log books. Um, and again, there's another thing that we will get or make our way to. Right. But yeah, there's uh, the other thing is like, uh, you know, they're calling or they're hauling uh, hazardous materials, believe it or not, which I would refer to as fuel. Isn't there a tools of the trade exception? So proud of you right now. (laughs) (laughs) There's an acronym. It's on on the page. I got to get my glasses. Yeah, you do. (laughs) He's making me read, folks. This is bad. I got to get glasses. So... Just the inside right here. Transport, transporting hazardous materials. 
Good Lord. Oh, there it is. On the other side of the interest yep. date. So you are you are very close if you look at it's highlighted right here. Yep. I see it. Materials of trade. It gives you the exemption in most cases, but you have to be able to identify that to me. If you transport gasoline, alcohol, starting fluid, acetylene, oxygen, or other hazardous material, you are subject to the hazardous materials regulation. If the hazardous material you transport are used in your business, you may qualify for the materials of trade exception. To qualify for this exception, certain conditions must, must, we'll underline that, must be adhered to, including, and then it's got a list of five things here. And I know this this one has been a question because we were talking about it Saturday. Okay. We had a, a photo session over at the offices in, in Cohasset. And some of us were sitting there talking about it. And I know, Jason, you were there for it, too. And the materials of the trade exception states that it cannot exceed 440 pounds. Paul Schultz, pay attention. 440 pounds, nine eight-gallon cans of gasoline at six pounds a gallon is 432 pounds. Okay. So now do the math on that. Nine times eight is 64 gallons. So if we've got a 55-gallon drum of gasoline, qualifies as a tool rules of trade. Or mater- yes. So would a 55-gallon so drum of alcohol. Now, do they need to placard it? Nope, because the materials of trade gives you the ex- exemptions for that. Perfect. However, if you can't identify it as materials of trade, now you lose your exemptions. Okay. Following me? Okay. So if, if it, it's pretty easy to do for like a, a modified guy that's running alcohol. Correct. None of your tow vehicles are going to run on alcohol. So, and what's clarify alcohol here? That doesn't mean you throw a, a case of bush lattes in there <laughs> and transport that. <laughs> you know entirely too many hipping <laughs> racers. <laughs> so because I've, I've gotten asked that question too. It, it does, let's see here. There, there is a, a, a section on this that talks about it's, um, it's alcoholic be beverages. It's part of a manifested load. Yeah, alcoholic beverages may not be consumed in a commercial motor vehicle. Alcohol may only be transported in a CMV as part of a manifested shipment, which technically technically means that they can't have a cooler full of bush lattes in the trailer, unless it's manifested. Shipping papers. I can ship it to myself. Yeah, from it, <laughs> from Hibbing to Ashland to Ashland, correct? <laughs> and it can be in the cooler in the trailer, correct? Because I know years ago there were some guys that got in a buttload of trouble for that on that same trip hitting to re- yeah Ashland. it's big business because it's uh would be out of service violations yep. um they are yeah they're going to be sitting roadside or someplace pulled off um and again because they're had alcohol in the vehicle and they weren't able to pro- provide uh, shipping papers or now, manifest if they're hauling an enclosed trailer and they've got a topper on a one-ton pickup okay and there's no sliding glass back window. Can they have it in the back of the truck? 
does it have to be manifested in the back of the truck? So are we still, are we talking like just camping with the, as, as like camping, a camping cooler yep. in the back of the truck, but you got the race car with. So we're, oh, okay. We're still talking about, okay. So yeah. yep. You would, yep. It still would need to be manifested. Okay. I, I just wanted to clarify that because yep. I know there, that there are folks that have open trailers sure. or an enclosed trailer and yep. they'll throw the cooler and the, and the grill and you know, the campfire wood in the box of the truck Yep, with the topper on it so that it's easy, more easily accessible without having to disturb anything in the race car trailer or there's four wheeler in the way and it, it just makes it. Yep. Um, as far as I'm concerned, same thing like um, your truck drivers, they have, uh, they provide me a shipping paper that says they have one 24 pack of 12 ounce cans of bush light. And it's you. You're going from Hibbing, Minnesota to Proctor. Okay, that's shipping papers. Okay, I just I know, I know that racers drink. Sure, <laughs> I know that people drink. I'm not one of them. I quit years ago. Okay, but I know that the people do, and I know that there has been issues with it. So that's why I was. Okay, let's talk about that. <laughs> Especially since we're on the materials of trade exception. And the alcohol comes up because a 55-gallon drum of alcohol is legal to haul without a manifest or placards. But a 16-ounce can of Bush Latte it says you got to have a shipping manifest. Shipping. And it, so you get to the racetrack, you, you, whoever indulges, indulges. But the driver has to be zeros because you have a zero tolerance, zero tolerance. for a CDL. And, but even not a CDL, even just a class D driver's license that wasn't, that wouldn't require that would not require a CDL. Okay. So, re- so remember that if you got your snowmobile in the box of the truck and it's sitting on top of your cooler full of lattes, <laughs> don't be the driver of that truck. <laughs> no, it is. So it, it, well, if you so if it's a one ton and you got your snowmobile in there and you were at Duluth, yeah. If you're if you're racing and you're going to be yeah, correct, and this all goes back to the commercial side of things, and right. if you are um, doing it as a business type venture, and you've answered yes to these questions, yes, you would be zero tolerance. Yeah. So correct. Okay. Anything on that, Jason? No, you asked all the questions I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll shut up and let you get a word in edgewise here. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to shut up and let the, come on, this, uh, yeah, we're going to go to commercial. Okay. Because I got to pay some bills. <laughs> we'll be back in a little bit with Jeff Shea and Jason Surface. This is the Renegade on Dirt. Renegades on Dirt. Palmer's Tavern in downtown Hibbing, Minnesota has been a park edition tradition for 75 years. Stop in and check out their signature Donato Burger. Absolutely mouthwatering. They got bone-in and boneless hot wings. Beer on tap and 12 big screen TVs to watch the games on. Minnesota Vikings, Minnesota Wild, it doesn't matter. You're going to catch every shot, tucked down and goal. Don't forget, check out their daily rotating specials. That's Palmer's Tavern in downtown Hibbing, Minnesota, a park edition tradition. For 75 years, Palmer's Tavern. Check them out on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Palmer's Tavern. Old World Meats in Hermitown, Minnesota brings you a fresh new line of snack sticks. 
beef snack sticks that are juicy, moist, tender, everything you want to be from a snack stick. And they come in about 30 different flavors. They keep rotating through the flavors. It's hard to keep track of them. My favorite, barbecue honey. Honey barbecue, however you want to say it. Absolutely to die for snack sticks. <clears throat> Old World Meats down in Hermantown, Minnesota. The Residual family making beef products for 75 years. Thanks a lot to Old World Meats. Hey, are you feeling a little run down? Need a little pick-me-up? Got to get that little boost of energy to get you to the end of the day? Grab yourself a liquid nitro herbal energy shooter. Comes in a variety of flavors, a little three-ounce size. Going to give you enough power to get to the finish line. If you don't think that's quite enough for you, get yourself a 16-ounce can. <clears throat> a variety of flavors available in that. My favorite, Tropical Storm. Liquid Nitro Energy Drink, giving you the power to get to the finish line, and that's noble. This is Randy with the King Renegades on Dirt, and we are coming back from a commercial break, and I've been trying to get Kaylee Emerson on the phone to get him involved with us here in the studio. Since we've got Minnesota State Trooper DOT Enforcement Officer Jeff Shea in with us, Mr. Window Tint and Exhaust. <laughs> and we've also got Jason Surface in the studio with us, and Jason is the instructor for the Alexandria Technical School uh, Commercial Driver's License Program. He's a former instructor at Hibbing and will be working with uh, the Superior, Lake Superior College, with their CDL program for a while yet. And now we've got Kaylee Emerson on the phone. Kaylee, how you doing? Sounds like a regular show. Oh, yeah. Things are, yeah. Just, things are just going normal. <laughs> yeah, you know, we've had a commercial break already, and... We've gone through the, the four rules that determine whether or not you're going to be viewed as a commercial vehicle or not. Ah, see, we thought there was five, so. Well, the fifth one is actually when you would determine that you are a commercial vehicle. The fifth one is determining what level of ass-kicking you're going to get. Ah. Because I, that I, laugh, I laugh, you cry. <laughs> 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 that's when they throw away the key. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. that's that's the, uh, is your vehicle over 10,000 pounds? Do you need to stop at the scales with your uh, yeah. single unit one-ton dually? 
yes. <laughs> so many rules. Good answer. <laughs> yeah, you said yes to that, and Shay was like, hey, he knows. <laughs> oh, yeah, because no, he drives a dually and, uh, and actually uh, uh, passed the scale one time, and uh, the nice officer was nice enough to stop me and uh, and give me a good explanation of what was uh what was good and what wasn't good, and uh, they no, they're very friendly when I swing through now. So. You should have and probably he was very left friendly the, that day. You should have probably left all the sarcasm out of that, though. <laughs> well, it's you know, it's my all of the trouble I've had in hindsight has been one hundred percent my fault. So, it uh, I think I would I would hazard to guess that there's a lot of especially racers or whatever that are unclear on how everything works. And I've I've become a lot more clear on it, which is part of why we thought this show would be such a great uh, great idea. But uh, it's really not all that difficult um, once you understand all of it. But it is very confusing otherwise. And and uh, the one thing that I always wondered from the very first moment I met my first DOT officer, which was many many years ago down by Elk River, um, I wondered when you license a trailer why they didn't say here read this or something you know because uh when i met that guy i had no idea what was going on and uh, he said you need to see your health card and i said i i don't uh and he goes do you not have one i said sir i don't even know what that is and uh and then it just kind of that was that was like the high point it went downhill from there, so. <laughs> so, uh, are you still down there now uh no oh, nope. okay i actually uh um, actually, uh, live in Grand Rapids, and uh, we go we go through work in Duluth a lot, and so we go past the Saginaw scale uh, pretty much daily, and uh, and don't have don't have nearly the trouble that we uh, we did at one time. So, but I, it's all very confusing. I mean, it, it really is. So I'm glad that that he's able to come in and help us clear it up. I can't say what I used to call that 33 scale. It was the Highway 33. <laughs> <laughs> well, bad word <laughs> well and i know i know a couple uh former truck drivers that uh claim that they own you know certain bricks in the building because they've paid penalties <laughs> whatever. So, but uh, you know my experience has been completely um you know there's so many times and i the show's only so long but there's so many times that now that i look back that they could have literally you know i, I don't want to say throw the book at you but they could have have given you a lot of uh, uh, fines, uh, uh, fees, you know, things more than just a, Hey, you got to get that fixed and, and, uh, you know, don't do it again type stuff. Um, you know, certain things you get red tagged on obviously, but, uh, um, you know, anything beyond that, they've, you know, I would have learned. And, and actually when I ran into officer Shea, um, on the side of 33, when, when I had first asked him myself, if he was still interested in doing this, uh, you know, they're, they really want to help. And I'm assuming you guys have covered, kind of what you and I thought was the most important thing of this, didn't you, Randy? A little bit. Okay. I mean, we, I, we, I think we, it, we've been hitting on the, uh, these are the rules as they stand at this time on sure. December 30th. He gave uh, people a little direction as far as uh, if they need to get a DOT number, where they would get it at. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's, that's like part of the mystique, but what you told me that day, um, you know, we've been, we've been, uh, concerned and have been uh, keeping our stuff up to you know up to snuff because there's so many patrolmen out there um, everywhere you go you you see them which is which is great it means it work it's working but what you told me that day um, 
made all of this more important and and has kind of put a explanation point on on the, our our goal of doing this for for my company and for motorsports is is that uh, you know once once there's an accident um, you can't help a guy anymore you can't help us out and, and or, that's, yep exactly and and that that's so important I think for our listeners to understand is that um, you know there's there's a lot of liability in the stuff that we're doing even though to us it's just a hobby or or whatever um, you know when when you get in an accident it doesn't matter what we think it is. Um, it matters what the law thinks that it is. And uh, if we're not following these guidelines, um, for whatever reason, um, you know, it doesn't matter or it matters a lot less who's at fault. And uh, if you're not up to snuff, then uh, um, you're probably in a lot of trouble. And it's life. This is life changing things. These aren't uh, these aren't moving violations and, and pesky fines or whatever. I mean, this this can alter the, the course of a person's life or a family's life. And so can an accident. Yep. And I'll, and I'll share with you a perfect example. Um, in, in my training, there was an 18-year-old motocross uh, racer. Um, he's driving an RV with an enclosed trailer. He's going going interstate, which he's he's leaving one state, going to another, following the circuit, and uh, ends up involving himself in a fatal crash. And again, 18 years old. Um, the unfortunate part is registered as an RV, He's racing, collecting sponsorship. He is no longer an RV. He is a commercial vehicle. Now you start pulling in the, that side. Now he needs a logbook. Um, two, he's not even supposed to be driving because he is going interstate, which means he's got to be at least 21 years of age. And at that point, that's where everything, like me, like you just said, Callie, is it's whatever we could have done for you roadside is no, it's off the board now and whatever is done is done. And it's it, now is your insurance going to cover you because you're not a commercial vehicle or you're not an RV. You are a commercial vehicle. And I, in my experience as a trooper insurance companies, um, yeah, may have an issue with that. Well, and they'll find any way they can obviously to, you know, not pay out if possible, especially yep. if you weren't agreeing to the terms of what you were paying for. If you weren't paying for the right coverage, I mean, then they're not—they have no obligation to uh, to cover you. So, yep. um, and like I said, that's a—I mean, it's a huge change. And I mean, just the accident alone obviously changes people's lives. But then, on top of that, um, you know, that's—but that when you told me that, that was the most the most striking thing, and the reason why I think that um, you know, once once you see all this stuff, it seems overwhelming at first. And it seems like uh, it's very confusing, and what I, I mean, I really. But when well, once you go through it all, huge. it's it's really not all that difficult. And especially, um, it seems like especially when you show an effort. And I mean, there might be some nuances that you don't know about the law, but um, you know, everybody's been, like I said, very friendly every time that uh, you know we we get reminded, or or you know, I used to kind of joke that uh, they were going to put a put my name on the back uh, behind the scale I was going to have my own parking spot. Uh, <laughs> I've had that now, parking like, spot. <laughs> like I said, every, every time I went, I, you know, now I know exactly why, um, you know, they were, they wanted to take a, a more of a look at it. And um, I think the only thing that ever really caught me by surprise um, was I wasn't allowed to take my trailer with me because uh, uh, my truck was a one ton dually and it, and it can tow, 30 13,000 pounds um is the rating on it and then the trailer was 14,000 and I had had a class A that uh 
um, because I don't read my mail very closely. Um, They had taken away because uh, I hadn't registered my medical card. And uh, when that law changed, and uh, um, so I had to actually just go take the test again and to get my class A back. And uh, but that was, you know, that day I couldn't take my empty trailer uh, because of the numbers. But I didn't realize that at that point that they went off of what the ratings were, which makes sense because obviously anybody could drive an unloaded semi kind of thing, you know, um, <laughs> um, if they didn't go by that. But, uh, you know, it's those kind of things that uh, we want to help clear up. Yeah. And that's in a, a great point because there is. I've come across people where they've had uh, same thing like year one Tunduli and they're pulling a trailer and that combination weight gets them over 26,000 pounds. And I always reflect back. I'm like, I tell the drivers, you know, look at your driver's license because it says that you're only good to like on my class D, it says single units and combinations up to 26,000 pounds. Well, this is not regardless whether you're private or commercial, your driver's license qualifications apply to that private and commercial. So, again, if I'm using your dually pickup and I have that that trailer, a gooseneck trailer, you know, even state law here requires you to have an annual inspection done on both the truck and trailer, and it's also going to require you to have a CDL in most cases. And and that was one uh, one other thing too that. Uh, um, most of our stuff didn't have the uh, um, uh, the, the inspection, the annual inspection stickers. But yet, when I bought this company, you know, we would we we were they were stop, stop, stopping at the scale regularly. Um, and so one time, when when of course I had assumed my parking spot in the back, and uh, I was <laughs> I was chatting with the officer, um, I said, "What?" I said, "We come through, and we you know every once in a while we get pulled behind and whatever, but it never comes up." Um, why don't I, and they said, it's when you leave the state, um, you have to have it. But he said, so if you cruise over to superior, like you better have that sticker. Um, and I know I had one trailer the other day that we came through that was, it was expired on. And the guy just came out and very politely said, you know, that it's expired. And I said, yep. And he said, are you leaving the state? And I said, nope. And he said, I'm telling you, if, uh, if, if you do, they'll, they'll find you. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know, it's good to know. And then actually they, you know, that when they do an inspection, they put a, they do put another, a, a different sticker on the other side of the window. And, um, you know, it seems like that's actually kind of helpful too, because they know that they've looked at it. Yep, and, uh, and yeah. that year somebody kind of playing by the rules. And what he's referring to there is a CVSA sticker, uh, Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance. And uh, basically, I always tell people it's equivalent to getting a gold star next to your name when you're in school. Hey, <laughs> it really right. is. It's it's a good thing. It it uh, it goes towards your CDL, your 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 CDL points, as well as your uh, your your DOT score itself. Insurance okay. companies like that. Uh, now, does that point system work like everything else? The more you get, the better off you are. Yeah, it does actually. <laughs> Insurance companies have found like they look at the the score of your the companies, and that's where they will get their. Basically, that's going to determine how much you're going to pay. Are you talking okay. about the CSA score? Yep, CSA. There you go. Yeah. So uh, one other thing that I'm a little surprised of is that uh, him and Jason, because Jason was recently also a over the road truck driver, and and I know there was some electronic log. Um, frustrations he had. So I'm, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that everybody's sitting there politely. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, Shay's not stupid. He come packing. <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm going to get ganged up on. I'm bringing my Glock. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, they, the LDS caused heartburn for many folks, but it's 
like anything else that's getting getting better, I am always entertained certain. Did you have trouble at some some point? I was a truck driver f- since 1998, and then I took this job at the college teaching about four years ago. So in the ensuing four years, ELDs came out. Now, I know that the rules changed or didn't change over those, whatever, call them 18 years, whatever. We never paid attention to them. Yep. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that I was unsafe. I mean, in the eyes of the law, I was because I didn't follow the rules, but I went to bed and I was tired and woke up when I wasn't. With electronic logs, uh, that's different. Now, you you don't, there's zero grace on the electronic log. If you start your day at 6 and when you're 11 or 14 is up, you're done. And then that does cause heartburn with me because I've been out there for 20 years. But the, hey, man, I'll be the first to admit the rules didn't change. <laughs> the rules didn't change one bit. Right. <laughs> the, way, the way we ran well. with the rules changed completely, 100%. But, and that's what I wouldn't, you know, I, I took a job for the last two months doing some over the road work. And that's what Kaylee's referring to. But, I, you know, I don't have any issues with the rules. I don't have any issues. Well, no, let me rephrase that. I don't have any issues with the electronic logs. I got issues with the rules. Yep. And I, I think that would be the sentiment of most drivers. Yeah. But yeah, like you, I was going to say, like you in, in most. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Yeah, because we've all well, had our heartburn. With one, of the most, yeah, one of the most surprising things of, of what Jason shared was uh, was the lack of, of parking spots at, you know, truck stops and, and rest areas just because everybody's on the exact same schedule basically now because businesses like like mine are only open for receiving you know during daytime hours and so those truck drivers are all getting on the road and having to stop and whatever starting and stopping their days at the same time well you Um, should be more truck driver friendly and change your hours i absolutely (laughs) i mean she and i aren't going to be able to solve the world's problems of truck driving for sure but in from my point of view on electronic logs most customers are open at seven or eight in the morning which means a truck driver is starting his day at six or seven when i click my electronic log on that's it i've started Yep, that's it. Which means when my rule, the rules say I can drive eleven hours and I can work fourteen. Out of the fourteen that I work, I can only drive eleven. Okay, fine. So if I start my day at six and everybody else starts their day at six, then we're all going to be shut down about six or seven o'clock at night. And now, what I've what I've noticed in the industry, especially over the last two months, is if you're not in a parking spot by about by five by five or six, and I am not kidding, you're not going to be in one. Um, and I'm notoriously, I ran, I run all the lower 48 states, but the last couple months I ran, uh, lower Southern California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. Those were all states that there was always parking in. And now there's not, if you're not in a spot by six o'clock at night, you're going to be parked somewhere illegally. You just are. I mean, I don't care if you're pushing the fire barriers out of the way, if you're on an exit ramp, or if you're in a way station. <laughs> and but... who would who would really do that anyway, right, Jason? I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I've never you know, done that. I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I those gonna, things are really uh, easy to circumvent. I mean, we're we're here to talk about racing, and, and we should probably get more back on track. Yeah. But I, I will, well, you the, know, I will say that I was at several times over the last couple of months, just because of the way our freight lanes ran that there's a truck stop in Ontario, California, which is just outside of Los Angeles. It's probably has 500 spots. I bet there's 600 trucks there every day at 6 o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. And, and 3.30. So that, that, so that problem, I mean, that's Los Angeles. And, yeah, obviously that's a big center and all that. But that didn't go away in Minnesota either. There's no parking well, spots the, here either. Correct. No, yeah, go down, go down by the cities. There's nothing. You got their truck stop in Rogers, and then, and then there's Lakeville. That's got like 45 spots. Yep. Other than that, and, 
and you actually see them they label how many spots at the wayside rest now which i didn't understand why until i talked with jason why i would say five spots open or four like well, who cares but that's why and then and then it occurred to me and the reason that i really wanted to bring it up was because um you know we take our motor home um which we also pull a race car with um but we take it out you know we went to south dakota two years ago into michigan this year and whatever but um you know the plan was you I mean you got a motor home so just drive till you're tired and and uh, that was the first observation was wait a minute like <laughs> there's no place to park anywhere i mean like basically uh you know probably in violation of any moving rules because you, you were not even prepared for that so as a racer going out if you are going a distance um you kind of need to plan out um you know where you're where your rest stops are where you're going to you know call it a night um especially unless you're staying at a hotel because i mean that was something that i never saw in all our trips to florida racing and whatever um it just always seemed like you know they were kind of half full all the time now now you you can't hardly even pull into them so every spot that was even illegal is taken at six o'clock at night it was absolutely nuts out there my next big business plan is to ask mr trump if i can have some money for some new truck stop i'm gonna start yeah that's right. yep. and i i mean it's, i've seen it it's crazy absolutely nuts out there yeah, how, how many how many times have you had to chase a truck off uh exit ramp or an on-ramp oh yeah many times and that's you know it's it, it a lot of it's just knowledge or the confusion of where the Saginaw scale is at and we do chase people down on a regular basis um as far as and as well as uh bringing people back that try to go around on certain roads too so <laughs> which, which, which roads do you frequent to see <laughs> meadowlands is a very busy place yeah, it is, yes it's amazing <laughs> i mean truck drivers are also bird watchers apparently <laughs> oh yes oh yes you've never uh, seen a semi here before <laughs> so uh, I can't imagine the list of excuses that you've heard. I know I've had, I got a pretty colorful list that I've used. So, and, uh, and most, nine out of 10 times you get the big eye roll, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you should see the eye rolls going on over here. <laughs> so, He's going to get dizzy. <laughs> so, um, but one, one other thing before, uh, before we go too far away from it, um, can you explain, uh, if you haven't already, and I apologize that I wasn't there to hey, hear no. all of it, but, uh, in this um, repetition is not a bad thing, right? That's, that's true. Um, but you know, GVW, GVWR, why does your, you know, why does your license plate say one thing? I mean, what are you supposed to get for license plates? You know, I know people that have, uh, you know, deliberately gotten the lesser plate on their truck thinking that. Um, you know, that puts them down. Okay. Well now between this trailer and this truck, you know, I'm not over 26 now or whatever, because my license plate is, you know, it's licensed for a 12,000 pound truck instead of, you know, but then you open the door and it says 13,000 and all of a sudden that doesn't matter, you know? So could you explain, you know, kind of your insight on all of that and where a person looks and how they know? Yep, absolutely. So on the truck, I, you know, we, we did talk about this earlier, but it absolutely go over it again. So you're going to open the driver's side door. And it, and it depends on who is putting that sticker on that day at the manufacturer. It could be on the on the B pillar, which is just inside the door on the on the actual cab frame. Yep. Or it could be on the door. I've seen them both places. Like I said, it's just a matter of who was slapping the sticker on that day. Well, difference between a right-handed assembler or a left-handed exactly assembler. That's exactly it. Um, <laughs> uh, sometimes they put it upside down. Sometimes they, it, it, it just 
know that it's going to be open the driver's side door, you're going to find it around the uh, someplace on the driver's side door, or you're going to find it just inside the driver's side door frame. Um, and again, there's times where it, it might not be there. If you have an older vehicle, it was repainted. And if it's not there, which um, I have found before, then what, what I'll do is I'll take that VIN number, I'll plug it into my computer, and it'll give me that that truck was manufactured w- with a GVWR of, I'll throw out a number between uh, 8,500 to 9,999 pounds. I'll always use the lower number. In that case, if or I could also weigh it too, and then I'll use that that weight. But for instance, you just take the manufacturer's lowest rating, and uh, same thing as far as trailers go. Um, a lot of times, you, you, they've been washed too much, or they've been deteriorated so much that that VIN number on the trailer's gone. And at that point, I'll just usually call the manufacturer. They'll they're very good about it. Like PJ Trailers, I've called. I've big techs. They'll ask for the last five numbers of the VIN, VIN number. I'll provide that to them, and they're like, yep, that, that trailer was manufactured with a gross vehicle weight rating of 12,000 pounds. So that's where the, it, it's key at is, is uh, looking, finding where your gro- where that gross vehicle weight rating is at. It's usually on the tongue. I, I've found them inside the tongue. Um, I found them on the side of the trailer, especially like your, your van trailers. They'll be on the yeah. side, usually on the driver's side. It, it just, it, it's there. And if it's not there, you can cut you, same thing. Um, listeners can call the, uh, your manufacturer of your trailer, just give them the last five to seven numbers of your VIN and they're going to tell you what it was manufactured at. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, we, we talked about that a little bit because, because of my, uh, my truck and trailer. And I, I was mm-hmm. curious because I've got an 11,500 GVWR on my trailer, but I know the tags are at 10,000. Your, your registration tags. Yeah. Yep. And okay. so in that, in that scenario, are you in violation then if you're over that weight, I'm assuming, because you haven't paid for that, that e- amount of weight? Is that how that works? Correct. So for instance, let's say, say for Randy here, he's registered for 10,000 pounds, and let's say he puts on uh, his race car. Let's just say for whatever reason he's got uh, 13,000 pounds. That trailer That's weighs 13 pounds. That's probably what that pounds. car weighs. That's what no, I'm thinking too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Car weighs 3450 with me in it, meanie. <laughs> I weighed that already. <laughs> if, he polish, if he polishes it enough, it might be a Chevy someday. But yeah. Hey, 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 hey. Now for sure I'm bringing it over to ha- make your wife happy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so he weighs 13,000 pounds a day I see him. It's going to be, uh, he's going to be 3,000 pounds over his registration weight. And not only is he going to end up with at least a $1,000 fine coming away from that, the state of Minnesota will make him register for that extra weight when he goes to re-register his vehicle okay. or th- th- that trailer. Which, which gets a little weird because the registration doesn't go by – it doesn't split every 1,000 pounds. No, there. It's a, it, I don't remember what the block is. It's like from 10 to 12 and 12 to – I don't know what the increments are, but right. there's different increments. And it's really, it's so, what I tell people is it's whatever you, you think you can haul, bump it up a little bit more because it's going to cost you maybe 4 or $5. Yeah. I think right. that's that's why this year when I have to renew the registration on the trailer, yep. I'm going to make sure it's got a 12,000 pound tag on it. 
because at eleven five. So, on the so what happens? What happens? Uh, or let's let's say you don't know. I mean, most racers know what their car weighs, but um, what I know with my work truck, I can't believe how much the tools and everything that you throw in there that doesn't seem like much, um, you know, adds a ton to the truck. Um, like literally. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so how, how does a person know, um, you know, aside from putting everything on your race car scales, which is not really made for, I mean, where do you go to find out what you weigh overall? I mean, just a person that has no idea. Yeah. Same thing. And, and like I said, your, your, your landfills are usually a, a state certified scale, um, that it wouldn't cost you anything to roll over them. Um, certain landfills, um, I would say maybe, um, scrap yards are another one. Um, uh, they may have a, yep, they have may have a small fee to to weigh you, but if if that's all you're really doing, I can't imagine that it would be uh, again just knowledge purposes is but worth the even the cat scales at, at a truck stop are what are they now fifteen bucks? Oh, they're twelve bucks. Yeah, twelve bucks to get a total weight. Yep, and that's a drive on weigh the whole unit at once, and it'll break it down truck trailer. Yeah, oh, and then that's yep, and that's exactly what you're looking for. We don't have, we just don't have any of them up here though. You'd have to be, you'd have to travel to get to a cat scale. Aren't, isn't there one in Duluth? Yeah, Quick Trips. I, I believe Quick Trips have have a Moose Lake has yep, one. Moose Lake, yeah, has cat yeah. scales. I, I know, I know, there's one in Moose Lake, but I thought there was one, like, uh, yeah, you're right, like around one. 40th Avenue down in Duluth. I'm just old. <laughs> I forgot they put it in. Because <laughs> <laughs> because I've looked at it a couple of times, because with my rig, I've thought, you know. If I go by a truck stop, I'm going to stop and weigh this thing just to see what I've got total. Yeah. But I primarily race my stuff in Brainerd, and there's no scales between here and there. Yeah. And again, I would just encourage listeners here, uh, if you have any doubt whatsoever, just register for what, <laughs> just register for the extra weight. Yeah. And, you know, don't register yourself into commercial zone but you know no and it, it's uh, at use that some point, logic you, when you do it yep and if you read if you're in our, our state statute says that if you're also registered for over 10 and you're doing it as a business it, you can also be a commercial vehicle yeah okay yeah um but just uh, for instance if you register your trailer for say randy goes away and registers his trailer for eighteen thousand pounds and he tows it with your with your truck it's going to put him over 26. He wouldn't still not need a CDL. It's got to be with the manufacturer's. If that manufacturer's rating is over 26, then it would re- well, that's be required a, a CDL. That's a good distinction to make. That's uh, so. Yeah. So it would be better to have the the heavier plate if if you were. And then regardless, if you put another truck on it, even though the manufacturer doesn't say it is, you you don't have to worry about it because the manufacturer doesn't say that it's that it would be over that. So Cor- correct. And, so you could alternate pulling vehicles and go from you know a one on single axle or single rear wheel to a dually which has more capacity and puts you over generally yep and that's um, the, but i will clarify though if randy dr- uses your um one ton and he is hauling that that kind of weight with that heavy mopar yeah he could very well be uh <laughs> what the hell <laughs> you chevy fans are all re- Ridiculous. <laughs> well, well, so, he's got a 5.3 liter brain. <laughs> hey, let's not cut on 5.3 liter. Oh, yeah, oh. it's the primary motor for our series. So. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. So, 
Um, we got to well, get Shay in a sprint car. That's all. That's all I got. Absolutely, say. absolutely. <laughs> I think uh, I think we should get a couple of those guys uh, to the racetrack, and uh, I think it'd be a fun a fun promotion night. Um, I I know, really think we ought to invite the Minnesota DOT, Northern Region, or whatever the hell is up here. Invite every one of them to Northern Renegades University. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, this, this can be the official invite. I would, uh, I would be happy. Like I said, I, for as much mercy as they've shown me, I think I owe them a couple of laps probably. <laughs> so, so a, lot of, a lot of patience they've shown me. I, the, I'm telling you, uh, Officer Shea, the, uh, the uh, guy told me last year, he goes, Mr. Emerson, you're becoming a repeat offender. <laughs> That's when I figured I better actually start losing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that term grabbed me. So, uh, But one other distinction that uh, Randy and I had a little, uh, not argument, but a discussion about um, earlier today, actually, as I was uh, on my way home from Duluth, um, and I just happened to be passing the scale, which was closed. Um I'm starting to think you're a groupie. (laughs) 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 But uh, I was going to give him a Christmas card, but I figured that wouldn't be as well received as I would have intended it. So, but but anyway, um, Randy said, uh, well, he said, well, you don't have to pull in there with your, with your truck. It it says combinations over 10,000. And I said, no, I may, maybe it said that at one time I said, but I know, I don't remember what it says, but I'm going to pass it here in just a minute. And uh, I come up to it and I read it and it says truck and combinations, 10,000 pounds or more. So, and that's a pretty important distinction because I mean, and I, and I actually asked the guy when he, when I went past the scale with my dually, um, and then he had, he stopped me. And of course I had, I had the Keller fence, you know, stickers on it or whatever. Um, but I asked him, I said, well, how come when I'm there, you know, getting my paperwork in my parking spot in the back, um, what I <laughs> with see, the reserve I see, sign, yeah, <laughs> truck after truck go by. And he said, well, I mean, honestly, it's not like we can go get all of them. He said, but he didn't, you know, he himself didn't know until he became a, a DOT officer that, uh, um, you know, even pulling a, like a camper, or, you know, any, any truck there, any combination that's over that is supposed to roll through there. Yep. Um, and that doesn't mean they won't just wave you through or, or, you know, that, that they're trying to ring you up. But, uh, like you said, I, I want to make the distinction again. I mean, overall, um, I mean, you might lose a little bit of time because you're getting inspected or whatever, but I mean, the consequences are so much worse than just facing some fines or, or which I mean, generally isn't even the case in my, my experience. Um, but the, the alternative of what can happen, um, it's what you don't know that's going to get you in a lot of trouble. Yep. And that's in, in, in Randy, you know, like I'll share my experience with you and that just that same, same line is about six, seven years ago, 4th of July weekend, a young girl uh, up on one, went through the stop sign, ended up uh, colliding with a semi that was going uh, southbound on 73, hit the back end of the uh, green hopper, slid it into the rear hopper, dropped, started dropping Uh. spring wheat. So it brought the truck up on that spring wheat, killed the passenger in the back seat, critically injured the front seat passenger. Now this is... So I, I happened to be working that weekend, end up end up going up there with an FT or with the, I was FTO at the time. So um, the trooper that was under my FTO, we went up there, and uh, we end up right in the crash. And uh, a couple months later, the 
girl was not from the area, so no knowledge really of this stop sign. Wasn't paying attention, whatever. So the insurance agent for that girl happened to be my mom's neighbor. He calls me up and uh, says, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, Jeff. He goes, my client was way underinsured for this kind of crash. He goes, so let's, you know, why don't you tell me about it? He goes, you know, that truck driver should have been able to see that, that car approaching that stop sign and, and seeing that she wasn't going to be able to stop. But I said, I said, no, quite honestly, I said that, that, that intersection is wooded right up to the intersection. I said, there's no way he is going to be able to stop 80,000 pounds in time to, when he saw her. And he's like, well, let me look at my pictures. So he starts thumbing, th- thumbing th- through some pictures. Says, ah, you know, know what? You're right. He goes, well, mechanically, how did the truck and trailer look? I said, you know what? I, again, this was before I started the commercial vehicle side of things. Looking at the inspection report, I said, you know what? Nothing, nothing there would reflect that there was poor maintenance done on the vehicle. He goes, okay, well, let's look at the driver's log. And he goes, did you see any discrepancies in it? And I said, well... I said, the commercial vehicle inspector has one where the guy didn't scale right down his scale time. And he goes, yep. So he goes, no, I take that as the adjuster and look at that as had he taken the 15 minutes to, to scale, to, to document that on his logbook, would he have been there to involve himself in this crash? And I could feel my face getting red because I thought that was a very unfair, but that's the unfortunate folks and listeners Wow, is that chicken? That that you folks are are going to be tasked with if if and when you are ever involved in a crash. It's that mentality right there. Oh, that's yeah. chicken crap. But that's, uh, <laughs> well, but that's the world. I mean, you know, unfortunately, that's the world we live in, and that was that was what I had to get through my head was, uh, you know, that that you know the state wasn't employing these guys to uh, to make my day miserable. Yep, um, right. they're they're trying to make, and, and I. I, I get I, it. Uh, I, I, I was talking about the insurance company being chicken crap. Yeah. Not, not well, no, that's what I mean. Though. But, that's the, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Is that's and, the it's, world. It, and it's not Everybody. just insurance companies because what I, always, I also tell people during presentations that 22 years ago, I, I, I will tell you things, my perspective of this job have changed because 22 years ago, I wouldn't be able to tell you this. Now in today's, you have attorneys that are hungry as well as they're representing their clients and it's a lot easier to get a little bit of money from a lot of people than it is to get a lot of money from one person. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. It still no, sucks to hear about oh, people losing their lives yeah, and absolutely. insurance companies being. Yep. <laughs> There's a reason that GoFundMe exists. Yeah. And <laughs> they're it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, that's... <laughs> but, that's, uh, you know... but that's why you pay for all that insurance. Anyway. It... I'm going to shut up because that's way off track. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like somebody needs a hug. <laughs> right. uh, you know, the Mopar guys. Right? Oh, I know. Yeah. Not, oh. hugged, not hugged enough as a small child. <laughs> Something, yeah. <laughs> are... Wow. Uh, yeah. Jason, you want to hack on me too now? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, he not. What the hell? Uh, that's like having the Peterbilt Kenworth War. Just next. There's not yep. really a war there either. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, one other thing I did want to ask about, um, and, and I apologize if it came up before, but what about what about my fuel jugs? 
And what can I, uh, I've had this argument a hundred times because when I first got my DRT number, they had just started a program where they audited you, um, after your first year. And this lady came, this is what I was in the cities at the time. Um, the lady came over and just basically went through my paperwork and she told me a lot of, a lot of things that I did not know. And she was very nice, but, uh, um, she told me that I couldn't, I could haul a combined, uh, total of like five gallons of any hazardous things. So like if, if you're talking about like a battery or the fuel that's in the race car, if it was in the race car, it was part of the race car. But if it was separate, if the battery was just in the, in the trailer, not, not connected to the trailer, um, it was, it was a hazardous material. And if it was, uh, you know, uh, fuel jugs or oil cans or whatever, um, if you were transporting them, if you had more than, I think it was five gallons or maybe it was a gallon, um, you had to be placard and you could only haul that five, um, or whatever the number was, um, with like a million dollar liability insurance, like a contractor insurance. Um, can you, can you kind of explain how all that works and how we're supposed to get fuel to and from the racetrack and yep. the rest of the stuff that we do? I can throw in a little bit on it. Yep. He I gave was us so proud ma- of Randy just a little while ago. <laughs> he gave us the materials of trade exception. Oh, did he? Okay. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't be so wordy. I should give you a chance to, uh, to, to get a, get a word in. No, no, it's, it's, it's a really good point to go back over because there are parts of what she said that are true. But there are parts of what she said that were inaccurate. I'm not going to say she was lying. I'm just going to say that they were inaccurate. Um, The materials of the trade exception allows for 440 pounds, nine eight-gallon cans of gasoline at six pounds per gallon is 432 pounds. So you can have nine eight-gallon cans of gasoline in the trailer without having to placard it or have hazmat. Now, it also says that containers used to transport gasoline must be marked, must be marked with gasoline on the container and be DOT or OSHA approved. Because I know this was a topic of conversation on Saturday at our photo shoot. Okay. Because we had some things going on where we were talking about this. I brought it up to Jason and there were a couple other guys standing there, and they were like, well, this and this and this, and you're only allowed to carry this much fuel, and I think it's a 55-gallon drum worth. And I was like, well, we're going to find out for sure Monday. But what I remember was you could carry X amount of fuel, and I think it was 500 pounds. So it's mm-hmm. actually gone down a little bit from what I remember. Yep. So, And then the other important part there is when you go to be in the interstate racer which yeah. means you again inter means you leave the state if you look at the backside right here that's where it talks about that million dollar liability insurance yep yeah and okay uh, okay that's where it comes in shay shay was really nice and brought me a handful of these these uh spiffy ass uh minnesota state patrol patrol commercial vehicle enforcement do the commercial vehicle regulations apply to you handouts Ah, are they purple? Yes, yep. they are. That, that's no, okay, yeah. I've actually got, <laughs> I asked some of these questions up at one of my frequent stops at the scale, and uh, um, they were nice enough to give me a, a couple of them there as well. So, so I, those are I very ha- handy. I have a stack of them here that I'm going to bring over for the next meeting. 
Perfect. And uh, um, that way we can distribute them at the next meeting to the people one, that want them. One clarification with, with the interstate and intrastate, um, which they could have named those things a little bit different. Yeah, um, oh, I know. It's <laughs> so confusing. But, it's so confusing. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, um, do you not still get uh, like 20 miles as the crow flies into another state before you're technically out of state or traveling out of state? Or is that not a thing anymore? Or was that never? Nope. It's, it's 25 miles into the, uh, into our adjoining states. Um, you get certain exemptions and then, however, they, they do stop if you go and spend the night. Okay, yeah, because yeah. that becomes your that gets back to the logbook stuff, which I don't know if you covered or not. But that becomes your home base, then, correct? That's yep. That's exactly it. Now, okay. at that point, yeah, we, we I don't know how far we want to go into with this segment, or if we want to save this for another. If we I want think, to just cover kind of intrastate stuff right now. Yes, yes, that's what we. Well, we do. we did kind of touch on the intrastate stuff a little earlier because he said that going to Superior, we were fine unless we stayed the night, then we were in trouble. Yep. Right. And who, who would want to stay the night in Superior anyways? A rough town. Yeah, Never Superior is a rough town, but hey, you know, that could be pretty fun. But, you know. <laughs> that's what's well, rough town because we're there. That's why it's. Just wiggle back over to that Catskill on 40th Avenue down there in Duluth and you're fine. There you yeah. go. There you go. Yep. Get, halfway, so, get halfway across the bridge, pull over, stop. You're good. <laughs> I know that, that we got stopped in Wisconsin one time. Um, and it was actually on a Sunday. Um, and and the guy had had told us um, that they actually were cool with and and again this is not the law this was this guy's personal preference um, but he was they were cool with Cedar Lake um, they felt like Cedar Lake was within reach um, to not you know not hammer the guys too much now I don't know mile wise because I because all those miles are as the crow flies right it's not. It's not it, actually highway miles? Correct. It's going to be nautical miles is how it's calculated. Or, I mean, because why not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> nautical or statute miles. Yeah. So in, it's, it's so for CDL holders in your CDL vehicles, you get 100, 100 nautical miles from where you're dispatched from. Okay. You would get 150 miles in, in Minnesota. You'd get 150 miles if you're you're running your, your race car hauler and you're your truck and you're just okay. a class D driver's license. Okay. Okay. So if you, okay. If really, so if you look at the 150 nautical miles, it's a, it's, it's, it's a pretty substantial. That's area. a ways. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's a ways. Cause it's, and I it's think what it's twins. The twin cities to Fargo is inside that range. Yeah. I, I it, it's right close. I, yeah. I would, it, it, it's like the nautical miles is, it's like 155.8 miles. I believe. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like <laughs> point, a, not a, a, point a, exactly. a nautical mile is like one point one two statute yeah. or uh, ground miles. Oh, perfect. Yeah, it, yeah. that's that's where I. It's like an add sea level measurement or something. Yeah, I don't remember what it is, but <laughs> I I do know like I've like on my phone I'll just put nautical mile calculator and at times where it's a, it, at question I'll put where I'm at and where they started from and then they'll tell you like. 98.7 okay. miles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I've got I've got a lot of people that I deal with that are pilots. Yep. And they'll say they're 10 miles out, and I'm thinking, okay, they're here. And no, they're over Virginia yet in their plane, but they're only 10 miles away. And I'm like, how in the hell? Because it's 15-minute drive from here. Yep. 
Right. But well, and that's why race car drivers struggle with this stuff uh, because we're, uh, you know, we have to come back around every lap to where we started or we get lost. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, same here. That's why I'm a trooper. I'm just not into the whole math thing. <laughs> right, right. So, but uh, no, I would love to. Uh, you know, Randy had said that you were open to uh, doing doing a couple more segments, and uh, um, so I I would love. There's I have a ton of questions about. Um, you know, basically kind of logbook type questions sure. and home base questions and uh, and all this stuff. And like I, I, said, I think I mean, those would make a great episode on their own. It, it, it would. I've got one other question I'd really, really like to apply to this. And it came from a conversation that Jason and I were having with Paul Schultz this weekend. And it was actually Jason's question. And it was about RV plates. Okay. Um. Jason's looking at me like I don't remember what the hell it was. <laughs> so in this That's pamphlet, a good story, Randy. In this in this pamphlet, so if you're answering yes to these questions that are, that we asked the four questions, if you're answering yes to those, and you have an RV and it's registered as an RV, and you happen to answer yes to one of those questions, and they, yeah, you register, you're not properly registered. Okay. We're gonna be need to you. You're gonna need to obtain a Y class plate, and depending on how big the RV is, like if it's the regular d- diesel motorhome pusher or the trucks I've seen around here where they have converted the uh, Peterbilt to a sleeping quarters, and they have the really big trailer, and now they put RV plates on it. And I was told. Um, oh, I, I have a toilet on it. Okay. And then it says private okay, carrier. Perfect. not. Then it says private carrier not for hire on the bottom of the door, but then there's a DOT number oh, yeah. right underneath it. Oh, yeah. Private <laughs> carrier. I, I love that one. Yeah, or pri- private coach or not for hire. That was my question. That, yeah. yeah, that was a private and, and carrier, yeah. That, that was kind of where I was, I was slowly getting around to it, but that's where I was headed because you had brought that up. At Saturday when we were talking to Paul, it was how do these people get around that with um, – Private carrier, not for hire, private coach, whatever, written right on the side of the vehicle. Oh, yeah, because it, it, then it ter- takes a guy like me, and I'm like, oh, that's a private carrier, or not for hire. I don't need to look at them. You're not fooled by that? <laughs> Basically, all you're doing at that point is taking your gone for the weekend, and you got a big neon sign above your house saying, gone for the weekend, burglars come in. Right, right. <laughs> that, that's truly how I look at it. So, yeah. so you're going to pull them over to get their address. <laughs> not for hire. That's always, I love that. Yeah, not for hire. So, but oh, I know you're cool. I, you don't I, have to stop. Yeah. I ex- oh, yeah, you're good. So, but I, I got two it, golf carts and a bag of chips in the trailer, man. Yep, right. <laughs> so I guess some states require that. I've been told require you to put private or not for hire or private coach on the side. Uh, yeah, I'm, that, that's not going to deter me from at least waving you over and looking at you. Okay. okay. Now, that's not going to deter uh they still Exi- have to pull into the scale. They still have to pull into yes. the scale. Yes. Yep. Oh, yep. Exactly. I think that's what people are trying to get circumvent, clarify, or, or circumvent. Yeah. If I put that on there. Oh yeah. Good, I don't have good, to go. Right? Yeah. But no. you're you're telling us absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Not. <laughs> yep. Yep. Because they're still over twenty six thousand pounds. They're they're twenty six thousand and one pound or more. Well, over ten. First. One one yeah. question too that okay, uh, to not. 
not to prolong the conversation, but um, <laughs> what do you have like the short list of, you know, moving offenses where you would say, Hey, you can't take your stuck here at the scale or you can't take that trailer or whatever. Because in my experience, like I said, I've left there with kind of a laundry list of, of this has to be fixed and you didn't have your stickers on, you know, big enough or whatever. Yep. Um, but very seldom. I mean, so, you know, obviously the high points, you know, that's why I'm not scared to go to the scale. Um, because I mean, there's the list really where they are going to actually not let you go is, is not super long. I don't feel like anyway, can you you elaborate on that? So people aren't so afraid of it. Yeah, absolutely. And a a lot of your out of service violations are all going to be based on your mechanical type things, certain driver qualifications, like regardless of your private or commercial, if you uh, crest that 26,000 pounds, like it says on your driver's license and, and your truck trailer combination exceed that, yeah, you're, you're not going to be able to drive it because it's going to require, require a CDL. Right. And that's, again, private or commercial. But, again, most of your, your out-of-service violations, the dreaded orange tag or the red 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 sticker. Red yep. yep. So, basically, it's going to be like um, your breakaway brakes aren't, aren't working or your uh, brakes aren't working with your auto auto brake adjuster in your truck. Right. You know, you we're going to we're going to check it, we're going to roll forward, we're going we're to have you squeeze it. I, I always have people turn up their gain to 10 checking it, then I always remind them to turn it back down. But we're going to sh- we're going to make sure that brake works. Keep the door open so you can't cheat. Yep, exactly. Yep. So, yep. And I always tell people I can I can run pretty fast, so I usually keep up. So I'd, I'd be like, yeah, just, just do it. Like, there's the keys. You know how these things work. Just get in there and do it. Yep. So um, the same thing would be the so that the biggest thing on trailers is the uh, or the little little hubcaps, um, like the bearing protectors. Yeah. If the they're gone, buddies. or that rubber grommet that to to provide a grease fitting, if that's gone, that's that's an out of service violation. Um, your structural damage, I've I come across one in Calumet that basically the whole front of the trailer where it's it was uh, that basically the the Y bone of the trailer to yeah. hook to the trailer. That basically there was one weld that was wow. that was holding that trailer from 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 actually tearing right off of Good the, catch. the truck. Yep, absolutely. Good catch. And the uh <laughs> I, I remember the I was uh the owner of it called and he was not happy that I was putting it out of service and then his driver kinda explained to him like, Look, I'm gonna send you pictures and then he got it. And it's like, listen, this is not something that that I'm do- it, there's nothing personal here. It's just that you if right. if it goes down the road and it comes off and you're gonna find that one person that's texting and driving and they're gonna hit it, guess <laughs> what? It's not their fault, no, it's yours. Right. Right. So right. Yeah, because the improper equipment. Yep. Exactly. Unsafe equipment, whatever the hell you want to call it. So, and then again, t- certain tire, certain tire depths, uh, four thirty seconds on a trailer. Um, if it gets below that, uh, it, two two thirty seconds. I'm sorry, two thirty seconds. Um, Lincoln's violation. head, right? What's that? Lincoln's head, right? Yeah, on yeah, a penny or something. Yep, that's it. Would be correct if the wear bars are smooth. Yeah, or if there's cords <laughs> showing. Yeah, yep. So. <laughs> Well, that, that's that's the way I always looked at it because those wear those wear bars that are in the tread, yeah, those are actually two thirty seconds. You still have those on, on a lot of trailer tires. Yeah, I was gonna say I, uh, maybe you can uh, after I get no, done I, with them. The, the, uh, the drag get... slicks are five six or five thirty seconds. The little wear holes. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. Is that is that is that Dodge capable of turning them? 
Very well. Okay. Very, yeah, very well. You, you may want to put Start them on my Trans Am. Give it, give it no, I got, I got 9 by 20s and 28s would be great for your Trans Am. <laughs> give, it a, give it a tailwind and a downhill run. And yep. Hey. Because you can't hey. stop it. <laughs> hey. Hey. Uh, no, I just wanted to, I wanted you to go through that list quickly just because in, um, in everybody the, is scared to death to give you guys a free shot. You know yeah, I mean? And that's, you know, and, and, it's, the, and it's unfortunate. Yep. And it's the normally you're not going to stop them. Yep, the structural, the, so the structural integrity of your, and, and, and again, most of your out of service violations um, for red tag violations are going to be just that. It's, but if you see a red tag violation, you do, you don't want to share the highway with it. No, right, <laughs> no, so right, and I, boys, I, I, I hated those reds. I have to go. Thank you All very right, much. So no, thank thank you and thank you for the the job that you do and and uh, you know all the stuff that you've dealt with and especially you know uh, dumb guys like me um, <laughs> trying to keep us safe and thank you for taking the time. Um, I know Randy can close you guys out and whatever and I really look forward to uh, to hanging out with the in studio next time hopefully. But my I promised my kids I'd take them skating and they've been waiting patiently for a while. So have fun. Well, have fun. We'll see you soon. Thanks a lot, guys. Hey, it. wish Gabby a happy birthday for us. I absolutely very will. nice. Thanks yeah, so happy much. birthday. Awesome. Have a good night, Caleb. <laughs> guys. Bye-bye. Bye bye. All right. Now, <laughs> now that we got rid of him. <laughs> yeah, this, this has been like an hour and a half long now, almost two hours. So I think we're going to call it good. Okay. Um, when we when we post this on Facebook, we're going to open it up to questions. Okay. We'll let anybody an, listen to the podcast, and any questions that they have, we're going to ask that you respond with a comment. Put your questions in the comment. If you don't want to put it in the comment, send us an email at rodpodcast at nrsprints.com, and we will get Officer Shea back in with us here because... He's just that kind of trooper. We'll get him back in the studio with us, and we will go through and get the answers for your questions. And we'll, we'll kind of base the need to bring him back as to how many questions we get. If we get 400 questions, we'll go through them and break them down into segments. And I don't, I don't know how cool you are with doing this once a month or whatever. Um our agency encourages things like this. So whatever you, what, whatever you need that, whatever you feel the need we can do for you. Absolutely. We're, 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 okay. we're on board. Awesome. You know, and I've just got to say this in the, in the two and a half, two hours that we've been sitting here, two hours, two and a half hours that I've, I've had you at my house here. <laughs> He's been, officer Shea has been laughing and joking and, uh, trying to be as formative as possible and still be lighthearted. And he's just been generally an, a, a really nice guy. And you've heard me give him shit all night long. And I'm going to have to go back and beef that out just to make Kaylee happy. But <laughs> it's, it's really what I've been doing is I've been ragging on you all night. He's been giving it right back. And it, <clears throat> I'm 100% positive that if you get pulled over by these troopers, and they want to check your stuff. As long as you are decent to them, they're going to be decent to you. Absolutely. We also want to put the disclaimer out again, and we cannot stress this enough. These are the rules at this time. We are doing this recording on December 30th. 
of 2019. We are one day away from the new year. Federal rules will probably change a little bit in January. We're not worried about those right now. We are worried about the state rules, the Minnesota DOT rules that are going to get you to the track and home to your families safely. This is why we're putting them out there. We want you to be able to know what you need to do, know what you need to follow, and how to keep yourself as safe as possible on the road as well as the racetrack. And that's why we've got Trooper Shea in with us. We had Jason in with us because Jason's just a great all-around guy. He's been a part of the Northern Renegades for the last couple of years. He's had a car with us, and he's a diesel, a CDL instructor, and another one of those really great guys. He will do whatever it takes to help you out. And I thank you both very, very much for being here and doing this. It's been it's actually been a learning experience for me and I thought I knew a lot about it. And there's some things I'm going, well, crap, I didn't know that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks, Randy. <laughs> and with that, we're going to run through some commercials that we got to thank Palmer's Tavern, uh, old world meats and liquid nitro energy drink. And we will be back with trooper Shea pending your questions. As for now, this is Randy and the Northern Ren- and the Renegades on Dirt, the Northern Renegades Sprint Car Series podcast. We'll see you next time. Palmer's Tavern in downtown Hibbing, Minnesota has been a park edition tradition for 75 years. Stop in and check out their signature Donato Burger. Absolutely mouthwatering. They got bone-in and boneless hot wings. Get beer on tap and 12 big screen TVs to watch the games on Minnesota Vikings, Minnesota Wild. It doesn't matter. You're going to catch every shot, touchdown, and goal. Don't forget, check out their daily rotating specials. That's Palmer's Tavern in downtown Hibbing, Minnesota, a park edition tradition for 75 years. Palmer's Tavern. Check them out on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Palmer's Tavern.